Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Series 6, Episode 7 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello. I hope that you're doing well whenever you're listening to this. I am coming to you from my new house, which feels very, very exciting. Those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that uh, it's been quite a long journey uh, for us to get to our new location and to start our new life by the sea. So it's very exciting to be coming to you from what will eventually be my office, but I'm going to be honest with you, I'm sitting on the floor and the laptop is on a box, which has a skateboard inside it. I'm 36. I've bought a new skateboard. I've also got a bit of a back problem. Is that a good idea? Who knows? I guess we'll find out. But I'm very excited to be coming to you from here. Uh, I wonder if you could hear the trains in the background. There was a train that just went by. Maybe you heard it. I'm getting very used to living next to a train line. I wonder whether it would annoy me, but actually... It's really soothing. They go until maybe one or two in the morning. Sometimes when I wake up, like the the little rumble of the train that's not too far from my front door is actually really sort of gently lulls me off to sleep. It's uh, quite satisfying. As ever, there was some lovely emails about last week's episode with Paula. I loved that episode. I thought it was really different and really interesting and something... We've delved into before with history, but I've never really spoken to a historian about sort of what they're writing about and what they're thinking about and hearing about Paula's dissertation and her upcoming book. I just found so much of what she had to say fascinating and I really hope that you all enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And from the messages I got, it sounds like you definitely did. So thank you so much for that. Um, I'm always wanting to get your emails. Please get in touch with me. I've not got as many this series, actually. The email is hello at suzyruffle.com. If you've been thinking about sending one for a while, please do. I also had a little look on the iTunes uh, sort of messages that you can get. What do I mean? The ratings, that's what it's called. And there was lots of new ones that I hadn't seen. People saying how much they love the podcast. And it really does mean the world to me. As you all know, if you've been listening for a while, uh, this podcast is a real passion project for me. And it seems to be reaching people and it seems to be meaning something to people. And I can't tell you how much that means to me. As you might know, I've got a live episode coming on the 2nd of December at the Soho Theatre. I think there's about 10 seats left. So if you want to come, please book a ticket ASAP. It's going to be a really great episode. I've got a fantastic guest. I think I might keep them a secret. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep them a secret. Why not? But I know that you'll be aware of him. And I think that he's going to be a fantastic interviewee 
So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Oh, there's the train. Can you hear it? Maybe, maybe not. Right, as always, I will share with you some emails before I get to the conversation today with Darren Stiles. You might be aware of Darren because he is the publisher of Attitude magazine. We had a fascinating conversation about his journey, about the journey of the Attitude magazine, about what they're doing there, about the work that they do within their charity foundation. And we also spoke a bit about the World Cup happening in Qatar which I thought was an interesting thing for us to cover on this podcast. And I'm really pleased I had someone who is not just a football fan, but is someone that has a real understanding of that world and what it means to host uh, a big sporting event in a country where maybe we feel that we're not welcome, where we know that people that are like us, that are from Qatar, how they might feel about a World Cup happening there and... I'm sure you'll be aware of my brilliant friend Joe Lysett's online viral sensation of him saying that he was going to shred some money if David Beckham didn't get in touch. He didn't do that. He gave that money to some LGBTQIA plus charities. Of course he did. But as ever, Joe doing brilliant, thought-provoking, just incredible work. I know I mentioned a little while ago on the podcast that I saw his show. It really stayed with me. And um, I mentioned the badge that our friend Josie Long makes. If you want something to exist, sometimes you have to create it yourself. I might have butchered what it, exactly what it says on the badge, but you get the gist. I've been thinking about that a lot and about how this podcast is that for me. So if you're listening, thanks. Thanks for being part of that. If you're listening. I mean, if you're listening, you're listening. Thanks for that. Right. As always... Let's share a couple of listener emails and then get on with today's conversation with Darren. Okay. Dear Susie, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for creating both like-minded friends and out. I appreciate you talking about your dyslexia so casually. As a dyslexic and dyspraxic girl, I found it really hard to be seen as someone beyond the negative sides of those learning difficulties. I came out as by age 21-ish to a lot of people's surprise. Before I came out, I was a fierce ally for my LGBTQIA plus friends and still really get involved with focusing on supporting the trans people in our community as they are, as always, but especially right now, deserve all our love and energy to try and create change. Before I came out, I performed my idea of straightness oh so well, like so many of us. Pre-COVID, I gave myself a really long break from dating. That gave me space to really have a think about my sexuality beyond the predispositioned beyond the predisposed beyond the predisposed idea of what i believe it was um do you know what seeing as we're talking about dyslexia emma you can leave in that little that little mistake emma my brilliant producer usually goes through and helps me with all the things that i mispronounce but seeing as we're talking about dyslexia let's be honest it took me quite a few times to get predisposed even though i'd obviously read the email a couple of times before let me start that whole bit again Pre-COVID, I gave myself a really long break from dating. That gave me space to really have a think about my sexuality beyond the predisposed idea of what I believed it was. Brackets, Catholic schoolgirl here with virtually no sex ed in school and unfortunately even being post-section 28 school kid, not much has changed for a long time after. While many of my gay friends didn't believe that I was bi, that's disappointing to hear, I had many say that I just wasn't used to having a regular source of attention. They came round eventually. 
However, I still have a fear that if I broke up with my girlfriend and dated a man, then it would be detached from the community that I feel really involved in. I guess it's my fear of being a bi person attracted to masculinity in all of its beautiful forms, being seen as someone who experiments with queer people just for a bit as soon as I can date a straight guy. What I do know is that other people's opinion often do soften with time. If they don't, then it's a privilege to have had therapy to know when to put those boundaries up. And I know that I deserve to, at least sometimes, be happy. Hearing Jordan Gray say that we actually shouldn't always be happy felt like she really tapped into some unspoken rule that I had given myself. Sorry this has been a long one, have a lovely day. And that's from Ellie. First of all, I'm really sorry to hear that your gay friends didn't believe that you were bi. I've heard people say this before and I think it's so disappointing when people within our community don't, you know, put out a hand when someone's sharing something and what other people's preconceived ideas of what being part of our community should look like. Um, I'm sorry that you feel like that. And I've I've not had a, a bisexual person on the show for a little while, and I'm sorry for that. It's not for want of trying, as I'm sure many of you know. I do reach out to a lot of people for this podcast, and unfortunately, for many reasons, not everyone can come on the show, and not everyone wants to come on the show. But I will do my best to try and find some more bi people so that you feel even more heard on this podcast, Ellie. But thank you so much. And I kept in my little mistake earlier. Um, I'm very dyslexic and think I might have ADHD. I haven't done the test yet, but people keep suggesting that maybe that would be useful for me. But it's definitely something I like to talk about. Certainly the dyslexic element because, wow, if I had found that out about myself sooner, it would have been made school so much easier. And I don't give myself as hard a time anymore, which is really, really important for me. But thank you so much for getting in touch. And I'm so pleased that you see yourself in some of what I'm talking about. Okay, let's have one more. Hi Susie, you must be receiving loads of mails and I'm basically asking you to be an intermediate between me and one of your other listeners. I'm an affectionate listener to your podcast and a fan of your comedy. I'm so glad to see you being more mainstream. See your appearance on Blankety Blank. That was lots of fun. Got to meet Sue Pollard. What a laugh. While listening to the very special episode two in series six with Jordan Gray, I was struck by the email by an anonymous listener, Patio Doors. Could you please let them know about Open Table? That's the Open Table Network. There are plenty of young-ish LGBT plus people of faith in Manchester and there are networks already that they can fit in and contribute to. My husband is a local Methodist preacher and he is quite cool. <laughs> and we are regulars at the Greenbelt Festival, a Christian festival. Josie Long, Alf Lyons and Chaparak Sandy have performed there. If they would like to get in touch, feel free to share my contact details with them. The main thing is let them know that I'm not alone. Thanks again for giving visibility to such a variety of people. If I can recommend guests, my husband is deaf and I think we need more representation of disabled people. And then you make a suggestion of someone who I have just got in touch with. That's why uh, I'm not going to say who it is because they might not want to do the show. But it's so funny that you sent this message and mentioned uh, this person because I got in touch with them less than 24 hours ago about coming on the show so somehow we've had some sort of link in our brains between Brighton and Manchester and that's from David I think it's David because it's got an e on the end I really hope that I've said it right if not David but thank you so much I'm going to forward this email to uh, Patio Doors I think I gave her a fake name and, and let her know about Open Table Network and, and let the rest of you know, maybe that's something that you're looking for. Maybe faith is a part of you and something you want to explore more, especially if you're in the Manchester area, then there's a group of friends waiting to meet you. But thank you so much for getting in touch and thank you for listening to the show. 
and uh, for the kind things that you said about the podcast and the comedy. Oh, I should probably mention, talking of the comedy, I've just announced that I'm going back out on tour with my show Snappy in the spring. It's been extended. We sold enough tickets in the autumn that I can go out and hope that we're going to sell even more tickets in the uh, in, in the new year uh, from March, April, and maybe even into May. All the details are at susieruffle.com. But you know what? Why don't I just share with you where I'm going? And then you'll know. Right, here we go. I'm going to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Brighton, Norwich, I've got a run at the Soho Theatre. Then I'm going to Leicester, Bradford, Salford. Oh, you mentioned you were in Manchester. Maybe you'll come. Liverpool, Loughborough, Oxford, Swindon, Hereford, Bristol, Portsmouth, of course, I'm a Pompey girl, Colchester, Cardiff and Newcastle. So if you want to come along, please, please do. Um, But let's get to that conversation with Darren Stiles. We could have chatted all day and indeed we carried on chatting for about an hour after uh, the recording. What a lovely guy. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this, this conversation. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, gift mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Darren Stiles is an award-winning publisher, writer, a highly intelligent businessman, and he throws the best party of the year. Darren has been running his own publishing company for 30 years, producing magazines. Maybe most significantly, he is the owner of Attitude, the UK and Europe's biggest selling LGBTQ lifestyle magazine, which across print, digital, online, social and live events is now the biggest gay media brand in the world. Recently, he won a license to publish Rolling Stone in the UK. Obviously, the work that Darren does in publishing is hugely important and impressive, but his charity work with Attitude Magazine Foundation must be mentioned. The foundation supports a range of causes across the LGBTQ community and actively seeks projects that have a positive impact across their three main missions, happy and fulfilled lives at work, at home and at play. Beneficiaries include the Matthew Shepard Foundation, the Peter Tatchell Foundation, the Out and John AIDS Foundation, Pride in Football and so many more. He is a gift to publishing and our community. Hello, Darren. Hello, that's so lovely. That's the sort of thing that is normally then followed by who died yesterday. Yeah. So that's lovely. Oh, that's, that's what I brought that's you. Lovely you to be you've here died. It. You've died. I'm so sorry. You're a ghost. I'm the one to tell you. Um, well, I mean, I always, I always give people lovely intros because I only ever interview people that I want to talk to. Well, that's I would, fair enough. I would Bit never. I would never want to. Oh God! Can you imagine chatting to someone who you couldn't be? Yes, I can. Cause <laughs> yes, because you've done yes, it loads. Because you have to do it. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's important that you know every every single person that comes on this show has like a story to tell and has something to share and has done something for us lot. And so I think it's always good to like yeah, no, give him a yes. give him a little cheer We're before the friends, interview begins. No, I know you because you host like the best party of the year, the Attitude. The Attitude Awards, Awards is, I it mean, is it's just so good. Massive, yeah. We've, yeah. Just, um, we've just done the 11th. I know, and you did it on a day yeah. where I had a tour show, so I was I know, absolutely I'm livid. I'm so sorry. It took you and Tom, lovely Tom, out of the game. So 
Although the last time I came, I wore red and forgot that it was sponsored by Virgin. Yes. So, I, like, yes. I was... so there were lots of people asking for directions to the toilets. <laughs> I know Alan Carr kept going, where's the lamb? Is there any lamb? I was like, piss off. <laughs> I don't work here. <laughs> oh, um, but it was, it's always such yeah, a good night. It's grown into an absolute uh, monster. It was the biggest, the biggest ever this year. So uh, nearly 700 people. Um, mm. we, used to, we used to say black tie, but now we say camp and glamorous. And so everybody really oh, goes full metal really on it. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's thing where my wife Alice is always like oh god like we've been twice and she was like oh god oh it's only a month out okay I'm gonna have to go out I, got, I need to go and buy something I need to look I need to look good at the Attitude Awards Susie she's oh, like no, no one will be taking photos of me but my I need to look good Tom's the same I'll take whatever I'm given uh, <laughs> to wear but yeah he's, he's the same outfit shopping starts months out oh yeah I mean and it's a very plunging neckline with Tom quite often, your partner, uh, isn't Oh, it? yes, yes. It's semi-translucent <laughs> this year. So, uh, so yeah, every, a crowd pleaser, I think, Absolutely, is, the, I think is, that's... is the phrase. But, yeah, so it's 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 grown into this absolute leviathan. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. We, we launched it in 2012 mm-hmm. in a deconsecrated church in Mayfair, which struck me as quite funny because um, the first host was Evan Davis. And we, yes. pop, we popped him into what was the pulpit to do the links from and had a stage set up on the altar and I did a joke about the Pope Pope Benedict 16 it not being his real name but his profile name um, and that that brought the Lovely. house down but um, I think yeah well if everywhere I'm going downstairs now not upstairs but um, but it was amazing and, and and we had 300 people there that, that first year and some really some really lovely people who, who, who came out to help us get it away so Ian McKellen and, and Graham Norton and Claire Balding um, and Gary Barlow and, 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 and all sorts and, and I remember saying that that very first night and it was quite flowery but I, I've, I've fallen back on it a number of times since I wanted the Attitude Awards to be like fireworks in a dark sky for the kid that I was mm-hmm. because obviously I, I'm 57 now so I, I grew up when it was illegal to be gay there was no yep. age of consent all of that stuff going on and so I just wanted to be able to platform role models and I never imagined in my wildest dreams that it would grow to the scale it has now now every year it's at the Camden Roundhouse we had um, Mel C uh, play live to close the show out this year and we've had some massive acts over the years, Whoopi Goldberg, um, yeah. Mickey Martin, all sorts. So yeah. um, I never imagined that you'd be able to call up people in the States who'd who'd have heard of Attitude, who'd yeah. have seen the awards, who wanted to come out to to play, to say their piece, to party. Yeah, yeah it's an amazing, amazing thing now. And um, there's there's always a point every year where I do the opening address and I have that little minute at the back of the stage where I can see the monitors and I'm waiting for the music to finish. And just the sea of faces gets bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. So I imagine that's how it must be for for you when you're performing but well yeah but it's a yeah it's a different thing though I think it is it's the excitement and it's the joy of, of sharing something when you've often felt for me I think when you've often felt like you're excluded from the party yeah yeah absolutely yes on the outside for so long mm. and then suddenly front and center and, and and I don't get nervous I don't get overfaced by it. I just get excited you know yeah. it's an opportunity to to say something you hope is meaningful that you hope will land yeah um, you hope that might change some some views and as is the way with, with with attitude almost every day you come into contact with somebody who at a formative moment has come across the magazine yeah. or read something or seen something online and in one way or another they're kind enough to say it's it's changed their lives and and it's it, it's a privilege and also sometimes really really funny there's little little stories that sort of punctuate the magazine's history and it's where are we now so march 2024 so what 18 months away is attitude's 30th anniversary so That's that makes massive. me feel even older 
No, just proud. <laughs> just proud. Yeah, so you, always proud. So you mentioned being born when it was still illegal to be gay. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a, a village called Merstham in Surrey, mm-hmm. just outside uh, Redhill. And yeah, I was born in 1965. I was born in Redhill, actually, next door. So I was born in 1965. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, d- I didn't appreciate it then, but I, I, I know now that Brian Epstein, the manager of the Beatles, was was arrested for homosexuality in 1969. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as someone as big as that, as famous as that, as recently as that, was still being hunted down. And yeah. so when I was at school... Um, it was still a taboo. You couldn't really talk to your teachers about it. it, it I, I was at school before Section 28, before Margaret yeah. Thatcher's Section 28, banned teachers from talking to you, but even so, it was a, a taboo and you didn't. And then I left school in 1981, and so that was a couple of years before the AIDS crisis. Do you remember your first crush? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a lad at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lad at school. I'd, I'd worked out, I think, probably by the age of... 12 13 that i that i was gay and and i'd reconciled it in in my head i think quite quickly but i'd also equally quickly decided it was just a secret i had to carry and so yeah there was a lad at school i was i was quite keen on um i think for him it was a phase rather than anything permanent because he's married with kids now but yeah i remember that and how vivid that felt that first time as Mm, it does for for everybody regardless of of, of sexuality um and so yeah i I remember that but it was it was absolutely a secret to be carried rather than anything to to be shared and and i say that coming from a you know a loving home Mm -hmm. Uh, my mum dad and brother um have only ever loved me and been supportive but it just felt like that one big thing i could never could never talk about and so actually i didn't come out uh, until quite late I'd, I'd turned 30 yeah uh before I, I, was, I was out yeah and doing and doing my thing and so just lock, locked it away really as as a lot of people did at that time and in and it's easy to say isn't it if i'd have known then um what i know now mm. but as anyone will, will will tell you, wild horses wouldn't have dragged me out yeah. before I was ready. I was at, at one point um, working in a job uh, for quite a well-known car manufacturer, and um, and I was goaded at work a bit. I, I think it was obvious that I was gay. Mm. Um, inevitably, whenever you tell people and and you come out, they'll go, "Oh, we knew already." Um, they didn't, but they, yeah. they think that's the right thing to say. I hate it when people do that. So do I. I hate it because so, I think, well... Well, you that, could have made it easier then. Well, it, and it's not, and it's, today's not your day to say that. Yeah, say that yeah, in exactly. six years when, we're having a, when I'm really comfortable about saying it and it hasn't taken yeah. me a walk around the block and a pint and loads of deep breaths in the toilet to yeah. say these words oh, that I, are yeah, so massive. The point at which I started coming out, the euphoria, the relief, but also the terror every mm. time because yeah. you just don't know the reaction you're going to get. And I have to say that obviously the reaction you get from friends and family was universally amazing. Mm. I mean, my mum struggled with it a little bit because I think she couldn't believe in retrospect that she didn't see it coming um, oh, really? and, 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 and maintains to this day that she had no idea. And so her initial uh, reaction uh, wasn't the best, but she recovered that within 24, 48 hours. Um, and she's now 83 and cross at the world. And so all of that's worked out beautifully. You mentioned before, so you finished school in 81, and then that's just before the AIDS pandemic began here, here and in the States, well, all over the world. But sort of having an awareness of your sexuality, and I'm making assumptions here, but maybe they're right, that at that time it might have you might have thought, well, being gay is a 
death sentence. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. So I won't be. Oh no. I doing anything with that. Thought that. Yeah. Just at the point that I was starting to think about. Mm. Well, maybe I should meet go someone. to a bar. Maybe mm. I should meet someone. Maybe I should go out and find out. Then, then suddenly, you yeah, you've got the ads on TV with the, the John Herb voiceover uh, telling you you're going to die, and mm. uh, and everything you see and hear on TV and in the media reinforces that. You know, people used to joke about it. I I, I worked for a magazine publisher uh, at the time who joked about posting the AIDS virus in a canister to a rival magazine in the magazine. He actually wrote it down. Um, and obviously he got pilloried for it, but nothing to the extent that you would do now. Yeah. Um, he had to apologise um, to, to, to the magazine in question. But that was the way people spoke about it. You know, it was a punchline. Um, mm-hmm. Genuinely, I don't think he was a, a bad person. He just thought it was something funny to say. He just thought yeah. it was something that you could joke about. And that that was the mindset of the, 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 the people in this country to it for a lot of the time. And yeah, it was a gay disease. And to an extent, it was something the community deserved or bought upon itself. Yep. Um, you know, all of those horrible uh, tropes um, that, that sometimes you still hear, but... but but that was the prevailing thought. So if there was any possibility of me coming out of the, the closet at that point, th- that scared me straight back in again. Yeah. And, and and I thought, well, if, if I have a, a choice of, of, of death or life, I choose I choose life. Yeah. And so I threw myself into my work, um, into my football, I'm a big football mm-hmm. fan. Um, so that breaks the stereotype. Season <laughs> ticket holder at West Ham, man and boy. So yeah, I threw myself into into going to football, hanging out with my mates, running a Sunday football team for yeah. 20 years. There's probably a sitcom in that. <laughs> and funny enough, ironically, um, we, we called ourselves Merston Orion and, and our nickname in the local leagues was Gay Orion because I was the guy who stood on the, the sidelines shouting and hollering and getting terribly emotional about the whole thing. And so um, so so maybe everyone else did know before I knew. But yeah, I just threw, I threw myself in, into that. And so it wasn't really in until I'd established my own business, felt comfortable, successful, secure, had my own house. I thought, well, n- now if I come out, it will be all right because mm. no one can take my house away, no one can take my job away because I work for myself. Um, and Was so that I'm a real fear? Safe and protected. Yeah, I think so because I, I say I'd I'd I'd, I'd worked for um, for this this car manufacturer. Well, it was Renault. I'll, I'll, I'll name them. They, they yeah. were they were a brilliant employer. What um, were you in like the press department? Yeah, I worked. Yes, yeah, so I was the, the I was the press and PR manager. Um, actually, at quite a difficult time for Renault, and I had to. Uh, I mean, it's. It's not funny, but the, the the things that you you end up becoming becoming known known for. I was I was minding the office, and a group of people had taken some journalists to Paris to see how airbags worked, to see an right. airbag go off, and to see crash testing and all that kind of stuff. And in the course of a conversation with the man from the Daily Mail, the man from Renault remarked upon the fact that as a state-owned car manufacturer, Renault were able to use cadavers in crash testing if they'd been donated to medical science and so this horrific story just imploded and the man from from Renault as is the French way complete laissez-faire was saying well they've donated their bodies and as a result of things we've learned from that we've developed airbags and saving brakes and side impact bars I can point to tens of thousands of lives that have been saved as a result of some research we've done on a very small number of bodies at which point the man from the Daily Mail said didn't you invent the rear-facing car seat for kids? And he went, absolutely, because the head-to-body ratio oh, is God. different. And um, and so I found myself in the position of having to defend Renault's use of 
babies in, in crash testing and you realize you're a long way from home at, at, at that yeah. point and and all of the tabloids carried the the the, the story the following day <gasps> and and the headline in the daily star read um renault in dead kids crash test shock oh, and God. i was heartless renault spokesman darren styles and my, my my dad saved me a copy of all of the papers and said i'm proud of you son you've really You've really made a difference today, um, and so yeah, your career takes some strange, some strange turns in the middle of, in the middle of all of that. And um, so I didn't spend too long in PR. I decided I, I was a journalist originally. Yeah. So you worked um, at the now what was it the Surrey, Surrey Mirror? The Surrey, Surrey Mirror. Mirror. Yeah. Yep. So I I worked on the Surrey Mirror and then for a local publisher of car magazines. Yep. Then had a car magazine of my my own which we built and sold, and then as a result of that had the the, the job at Renault for a couple of years. Yeah. But then thought no, I think I preferred it on the other side of the go back into other publishing. side of the fence. Yeah, it's safer there. And so. That would have been about 95 when you came yeah, out, if you were about yeah. 30? Yeah, so, yeah, 95. So yeah. what was the, how hostile did it feel out in the world as, as a man coming out? Like, so we're sort of past the peak of the AIDS crisis. There's, obviously AIDS is still around. People yeah, yeah, yeah. No, living with AIDS, or there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, that, 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 and that narrative obviously lasted for decades afterwards. You said about being sort of ready and on your own two feet. Was there still an element of, Oh, like okay, I know that my family would be fine, I know my friends would be fine, but what about like in the workplace? Or what about in Yeah, well I think Obviously I'm, you're working for yourself. I mean like when talking to yeah, but we other had people. Yeah, exactly. So at, at, at that point we we were a publishing company, mm. um then as now that produced magazines for third parties. So we did in flight magazines for airlines, right, sure. customer magazines yeah. for car manufacturers and retailers and things. So, you know, I had clients, but I felt confident enough in, in myself at that point that well the, the me at home is the me at work mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need to hide and I and, and, and I did I think it's part of the defenses you get up isn't it but mm -hmm. I did think well if, if if anyone has a problem with that that's their problem not my problem Fuck and if yeah exactly <laughs> if, if we lose a client well bollocks they weren't yeah they weren't meant to go the distance um but actually the the only responses in in terms of a work environment that I've ever been aware of have only ever been incredibly positive I've always felt supported by clients supported by mm. advertisers supported by the people I, I've, I've worked with if anyone's thought anything or said anything it's never been within my earshot and yeah. I've certainly never been aware of it and I've only ever felt love and support and I and I think also um you know it's still to a degree a bit unusual isn't it quite, quite a lot of the time when you when, when you come out to, to to people you can be the first gay person they really know yeah um because we are still a small minority mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to, to perhaps change their minds mm -hmm. or give them a different experience yeah. uh, of, of what it means to be. And, and, and I still find it funny. I, I said about being a football fan and that breaking the stereotype. Yeah. But the number of times people go, oh, well, that's weird. I thought I'd seen you at West Ham. It's like the two things are <laughs> Yeah, like they can't completely but there's And there's actually loads of gay football... Yeah, loads uh, of football fan like, groups. Yeah, now. fan groups. That's the word um, I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, out, out there to I met encourage, some when we went them. to New yes. York. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, all the guys from Pride in Football and Pride yeah. Lions. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just a group of, of, of like-minded people. But stereotype is, you know, you're, you can't be gay. You go to football and you drink pints. That's weird. What do you think about um, the World Cup in Qatar? Ah, uh, um... 
I think quite you don't have to. You don't no, have to. No, no, no. I'm quite happy to wade in on that. Um, I, I think it's an aberration that it's there. I was actually on a panel at Student Pride, crikey, some years ago now, when the award was first announced, firstly to Russia and then mm-hmm. and then to Qatar. Um, and as a result of that bidding process, which has been broadly forgotten now, a number of people did jail time. Mm-hmm. A dozen people involved in the awarding of the World Cup through FIFA to, to Russia and Qatar uh, have subsequently done or are still in jail for bribery. And of course, ultimately, the president of FIFA and the vice president of FIFA, um, Sepp Blatter and Michel Patini, were both forced to stand down. And that their replacements didn't then bin the entire rotten process speaks only to money. The World Cup shouldn't be in Qatar. It should never have been in Russia. Any country with a a human rights record uh, like Qatar shouldn't have any international sporting event. It's it's pinkwashing. It's it's whitewashing. The worst possible because they'll make billions kind potentially out of it, right? Because it will make billions and it will keep making money for long after the World Cup. But but in in the minds of just ordinary people watching the greatest football show on earth they will see a host nation that has polished its reputation mm-hmm. to the nth degree you know they've paid david beckham 10 million pounds they're paying gary neville who knows what yeah. to go out and and speak on television and that's the same gary neville man of the people yep. who sat alongside sakir starmer at the labor yes, party conference yes, yes. speaking on behalf of Everybody, Every man. while actually speaking on behalf of nobody, multi-millionaire Gary Neville, yep. man of the people, taking money he doesn't need from a country with the most abysmal human rights. As you said earlier, we, we license Rolling Stone, and the, the very lovely man who looks after licensing for the entire PMC group worldwide um, is, is an, an Indian chap from Mumbai, a lovely man, Devashish, and he was in London last week, and he referenced the World Cup, and I said to him, ah, the World Cup in Qatar, yeah, not really for my people. And he looked at me and said, yeah, and it's killed a lot of mine. That's the absurd situation yep. we find ourselves in. It's supposed to be this incredible celebration of, of sport. And yeah, coming together, which yeah. it feels like there's not that this year, does it? It, it, it the, doesn't that, feel the, the like pushback, there's... The pushback is, I think, wider and deeper than yes. they ever imagined it would 100%. be. There's not a footballer, there's not a football manager who isn't having to confront and deal with yep. it in every press conference, in every interview Mm -hmm. some far better than others i have to say and i I think it will ultimately be a stain on the game and a a stain on everybody involved for years to come and people will not forget that david beckham was on the cover of attitude in 2002 before the japan world cup speaking as an ally and is there now promoting a regime in which we know LGBTQ Qataris are being arrested and beaten and ostracised. Yeah, and if they're Muslim, it's punishable by death. It's punishable by death, which is extraordinary. And and, and so the conversation shouldn't even start. And I hate them for being there. I'm a huge football fan. West Ham's own captain, Declan Rice, is is, is playing for England. And and I wish him nothing but good. But I also wish to God that we weren't there. And of course, ironically now, we're... Um, without getting super political over it, although you, you can't avoid it, um, we're playing we're playing Iran, who are currently making yep. and supplying drones to to Russia to fire into Ukraine while the World Cup's going on. It's just this and well, and they've arrested fifteen thousand. Yes, young people that are protesting. Young people who are, who are protesting, who they're now threatening to execute yeah. to, to make harsh that. It's just, it's insane. It's it, it shows you the the undue influence of money. Yes, it, because there is no sane reason to be there. There's no sane reason to be there this time of year. Yeah, there's no sane reason to be engaging with some of the countries 
that that are playing um and it's nonsense and 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 I don't think it's because I'm gay. I don't think it's because I'm politically active. I think it's just because I'm an adult. I think if I take two steps back and and, and look at that, clearly it just makes no sense. I like football. I'm not massively into it. I'm quite into the women's game. And I felt like after the women doing so well in the World Cup, it all of a sudden felt like football was open up. Open to all. It really felt like that. The amount of... Got a, I've got a, an ex lioness coming on this series, and you know the and I've and I had Leanne Sanderson on before yes, as well, yeah, yeah. and you know like it's so, it feels so exciting to feel like our people, my people, are at the front of something, you know, and especially as gay women, I know that not all the team are gay, but there are a lot of gay but women so that are out are, women and, and are out in the way that male footballers haven't been, can't be, yeah, exactly, um, and yeah, if we, for whatever reason, a hundred percent, and it felt so hopeful. It felt so hopeful for my for my little girl, you know, watching that. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, she was obviously not interested. <laughs> <laughs> One. But, but One you know, pointing a two-year-old at the screen and going, this is really important, do this yeah, when you grow up. <laughs> um, but, and then, you know, the the drop back down to earth with the men's game, yeah, it just it's, feels it's, it's horrible. gutting. I think, and I I'm think... not a massive football fan and it feels gutting for me, so I can't imagine what it's like for, you know, your average football fan, but then also for someone that's LGBTQIA+. It's just... Yeah, what a letdown! Honestly, it's just an, an, an absolute mountain of, of, of nonsense. You know, mm. from the from the fact that it's it's the greenest World Cup ever, but they don't have <laughs> enough accommodation, so fans are having to fly in from neighbouring countries and fly out the same day. Yeah, um, that sounds green to me. Uh, but, but, you. But, but that doesn't count because obviously that's another country's emissions yeah. and another country's airline. I mean, it's just it's just a nonsense, and I, I just I just can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, um, and 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 then and then crack on and, and never go back. FIFA themselves have said that they would never again countenance awarding a World Cup to to a country whose human rights record wasn't up to, to standard. But empty words. Yeah. Public, if you really cared, you'd stop yeah. it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, so, yeah. Yeah, it is so gutting. You, you said before, oh, without getting too political, the thing that I love about Attitude magazine is how political it is. Well, the, the thing is, it's... It's politics with a small p, isn't it? In yeah. in the in that you can't not engage because totally. the only way that uh, homosexuality was decriminalised yep. here is decriminalised anywhere in the world. The only way you get the equal age of consent, mm-hmm. the only way that we can get, get married. rid of Section Twenty Eight, exactly, civilly partnered, equal marriage, all Children, of those things, all those things that has only ever come through constant unyielding pressure for change that's the only way it's ever happened it's never been given to us we've had to fight for it we've had to take every step and in the case of trans rights now you have to fight just to hold on to the ground you've got let Mm. alone get to the sensibly considered end game and and so um you can't help but be political and it's so bloody wearing some days and and um it, in many ways, social media is a force for good, but it encourages a lot of uh, empty, noisy anger that isn't channeled or useful. Yes. And and so that makes things difficult. So, yeah, we have no choice. But, you know, we're, we're at the end of a battering yeah. ram as, as, as attitude and all the good stuff comes to you for sure, but quite a lot of the bad stuff too. But, mm. you you know, you, you tell that comes with the territory. You just... Yeah, it's it's a fight. 
It the is. The fight's not over. It is. No, it is. And and um, oh, we're very fortunate. Attitudes read in 130 odd countries around the world. Sells wow, in 30, that's 30, amazing. Yeah, we export to 31 countries in print. Now. Yeah, I have got that written down. Um, but I didn't realise yeah. it was as many as 130. Yeah, yeah, that's 31 amazing, coast yeah. to coast in the states through Barnes yep. and Noble, the booksellers, and obviously Australia and, and South Africa, all the English speaking countries, but a lot of a lot of Europe uh, too. But then obviously you can download it securely now. Mm, um, yes, of through, course, through that makes a huge things, difference. Which means that anybody who wants to find us can find us yeah. and can find us securely and safely which yeah. is a which is a godsend but it means that we get to know what's happening pretty well anywhere yeah. you know you'll get emails at all times of day and night saying this is happening here here are some pictures yeah. here's my story um, it's really important. do you want to share this do you want to know that and so you, you, you do run the risk of feeling permanently unsatisfied in mm. that you can't be everywhere and fighting all of the battles all of the time. Yeah. Um, and you can live in a state of perennial anger if you're yeah. not careful. Yeah. And it's like, it's tiring. Like, it, it's something that, I mean, in a far lesser way, I think, but there have been times when I've turned down jobs because I haven't wanted to work with someone that's like openly misogynistic yeah. or that said something that's openly homophobic and I've just sort of had to go... Yeah, life's too short. I, and like, I would like that money... Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> and it's always nice doing another telly gig, but I can't work with that prick. Yeah, no, they said this, and I've done material about the fact that they're a prick. Yeah, there are know, brands we've turned good money down from brands, and, it's, and you look at it and go, "No, I know why you're doing it. I know what you want. Yeah. I know you you want our badge to give you cover to yes, operate in yeah, this yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, you want a little, little and, and a rainbow those, tint. Yeah, those aren't your values. Those yeah. aren't your values. Those aren't what you do. Um, and it's so annoying, isn't it? Sometimes you go, "Oh fucking hell!" It's just so so easy for people that have got yeah. a lower moral compass. Well, do, do you know? And just, yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And just go, and oh, just yeah, take, yeah, take yeah oh, I work with these people. Oh, what are those God. people? I mean, like, it's... when I bought Attitude in 2015, it was losing 200,000 pounds a year. Right. So and... I wanted to talk about this because you have totally reshaped. Yeah, rebuilt it brick by brick. Because um, it's massive now, and it's it so is, stylish. Yeah. Like I've got a copy here. It's like it's thick. It feels luxurious. I mean, traditionally, was it a gay men's magazine? Because now it's far yes, more. Yes, it's broader com- now than it community. was. Yeah, so originally it was a gay men's magazine. Yeah. It was launched by Richard Desmond, who right. um, obviously at the time had um, OK magazine, but also a whole load of top shelf straight porn. That's how he, right. how he, how he made yep. his money, that and porn channels various. And then, of course, he went on to buy the Daily Express and the Daily Star, mm-hmm. but to be. Um, uh, to be considered a fit and proper person, donated, I think, a million pounds to Tony Blair's Labour Party and then disposed of his top-shelf titles ah. in, in order to become responsible, which led famously to Jeremy Paxman waving a copy of, I think, uh, Asian Babes or Shaven Ravers okay. at Tony Blair. To <laughs> two, say, of my, two of my faves, yeah, absolute, absolute <laughs> knockouts. Long-standing subscri- subscriber. <laughs> Um, you've got to support you've got to support publishing <laughs> you, you, you really have, have to you absolutely have um, but, so he disposed of, of, of Attitude at that time along with all of the top shelf titles right thinking because this is... it was too hot to handle he thought don't want, don't want to get involved in that it's all a bit noisy and so he disposed of that and so um, Attitude passed through a series of hands with those titles as stable mates um, and so weirdly it was part of a even though it wasn't a porn magazine or anything like it it was part of a porn empire for for well the thick end of 20 years owned by straight men which was really peculiar and so it, it, it was losing a chunk of money the the, the 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 people who owned it had divested a number of other titles that, that they owned and that was kind of the last one the last one standing and I thought right I've, I own a publishing company mm-hmm. I know how to make magazines uh, and events work and there's an opportunity here for the personal and the professional mm-hmm. uh, to entwine how far in do I want to go <laughs> do, I, do I want to be that guy am I do I want to be out front because I knew 
I knew all about attitude. Obviously, I've read yeah. it as a, a younger man and everything. And 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 I I understood uh, from the editor what life on attitude could be like. Um, but what but, what is that? Um, you you are front and centre, as I say, at the end of a, a Good very pointy battering ram. And so yeah, so you know you you get the opportunities to speak on platforms, to yep. be on TV, mm -hmm. to put your view across, but you are there to be shot at by anyone and everyone who, for whatever reason, either doesn't agree or doesn't like what you mm -hmm. represent. And that can be you know anybody uh, anybody from the church yep. to just you know stark raving bonkers. Yeah everyday people um and so we've had all sorts of things we've had shit left on the doorstep we've had you know stuff daubed on the windows but none of that matters i have to say none of that matters or scares me or intimidates me in any in in any way because no. for every one of those i've got a thousand stories of lives changed and, yeah you know and, and good things done so so yeah so i bought it in 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 2015 it was losing a, a chunk of money and i thought right there's an opportunity here to rebuild this block by block into the magazine that I now, as a, as a slightly older man, mm -hmm. w w want to see. It's yeah. always had a valuable demographic, but too often perhaps it's just been young, smooth-chested, white boys on the cover yeah. and lots of pictures of boys in pants inside. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. Sure. We still we still do some of that. But there's LGBTQIA, yeah, you know, there's black and Asian, there's a thousand stories to tell. Yeah. Um, and, and actually we should be doing all of that. And mm -hmm. so progressively over a, a number of years, we've widened out the cover stars. We've spoken... Yes, yeah, Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Yes, yeah, Skin from Skunk and Nancy at the, at the minute. Laverne and Cox was one of the early yes. covers that that we did. What an incredible, incredible woman! One of the most inspiring people I've ever met, and older and and and, and younger as well. So you know, be it Sam Smith. So yeah, just a, a, a huge range of, of, of personalities, and, and and a magazine that's now cast to to speak to all of those mm. and, and and to speak to all of that. And that's taken that's taken five years. And so the growth of the Attitude Awards has underpinned that. That's, yes. that's enabled us to pay for a lot of the things we wanted to do, yep. which were expensive and at the time not cash generative, but the right thing to do. So, as you said, the magazine's printed on beautiful paper. Yeah. It's taken us um, a while to get the frequency right. We do six a year now, whereas we used to do 13. Yeah. But doing less often at a premium price to a more beautiful standard enables you it feels you like to... a treat. It does. It's, it's, it's a treat, something but it's to not grab. so often that you... you Whenever it's there, you you, yeah. you want to have it. Like everybody, we've had to manage digital migration. So yeah. we've had to develop website and social and all of those things. And I read your readership went up during the pandemic, which it is did. remarkable, yes. really. Yeah, yeah, well, it's just people, people, people at home. Uh, yeah, people at home. Um, yeah. And how my team, well, half of my team were, were furloughed and, and thank God for that because yeah. that enabled us to preserve and protect uh, everybody. And and the other half, I think, were working double time uh, from home because uh, the, the longer lockdown went on, the more and more difficult it got to, to, to shoot people that yes. was the that, that was the, the thing we had um we ended up with a uh, an only fan star alan wernick um shooting himself in a new york apartment having run up and down stairs for days on end to, to get his shape and his fitness back um just so we had a story for our sex issue i mean it was a a bonkers a bonkers time but yeah we gained um probably a thousand print subscribers uh, out, out of all of yeah. that which proportionately is is it's massive is, is a high number yeah it's decent and I want to talk about the the Attitude Magazine Foundation as well because it's something that I'm aware of yeah. because of coming along to the awards. How how quickly did that become part of your 
your uh, life it, attitude. It took us uh, it took us two and a, two and a half, nearly three years. So what, one of the things I was really keen um, not to make capital of, but but to to make people understand once I bought attitude was a that it was going to change, that it wasn't just going to be the you know smooth chested young mm. twinkie boys on the cover that that uh, attitudinally it was going to change um but also that for the first time it was of the community that it sought to serve and and, and represent and i and i thought you know the best way i can do what once i've got this to the point that it's making some money because mm-hmm. it it wasn't yes um when i've got this to the point that it's making some money um I should share that around on a, a pragmatic and also on a self-fulfilling level. Because if you're going to earn from the community and be part of the community, what a wonderful thing to be able to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even our money we're giving away. We're smart enough to raise it from uh, clients and advertisers and yeah. encourage them as part of an activity they're doing to set some money aside so that we can do good with it. And pride... Uh, participation and pride execution is a, a prime example of that where mm-hmm. once a year somebody will do a range of clothes or a range of something or, or there was a period rather not so much now there was the famous primark example mm-hmm. where they introduced a pride range of clothing that meant you could go into uh, a newcastle store and buy a newcastle pride t-shirt that had nothing whatsoever to do with newcastle pride which at the time was on its knees and yeah. pulling back and all the rest of it and you could buy a brighton pride t-shirt and brighton pride got nothing from that and so on and so on and so on and there was a huge backlash uh, against them uh, for that subsequently they half righted it but not really and i think that was the point the community woke up to the fact that you can't just ride in once a year yep stick a rainbow flag up totally. take some money and then gone and so we started to hold all of our advertisers sponsors and partners to a higher standard Mm. as the community was and as i said there there were advertisers that that came in one oh god i remember i I didn't name them but it's a cosmetics company who wanted to run a pride campaign and so we sat down to go through the brief and it was a chunk of money and, and it was at a time when we weren't making any money and it was a chunk of money and it would have been beautiful money and uh, the lady sitting opposite me said so as you know um we're very well known we do all of these amazing campaigns but we want to do one for alternative lifestyles um and honestly my heart just went through the floor and and i looked at her and i went okay um well one of the wonderful things about partnering with attitude on something like this is that we have the opportunity to educate and inform as we go and that is a phrase you can never use because one it's not an alternative it's terribly mainstream uh, and secondly it's not a lifestyle mm. and she went yes but you know it's it's a choice isn't it <gasps> and I, at that point i went um, do you know i don't think this is going to work i really don't think this is going to work and so we, we had a sort of semi-polite five minute interchange and we just wrapped the meeting up and we're never going back and <sighs> fortunately nobody else took their money either i didn't subsequently see it float to the surface and so i think she's still out there somewhere looking for a looking for a home for her alternative lifestyle budget but her um, choice yeah just honestly extraordinary so um so now when we when we sit down with people who want to activate especially around pride we say okay in order that this is authentic there has to be a proper message genuine intent what's your dni policy how yep. does that work how do you engage year round yep. you know it's not good for you to come in and do this once a year and it's terrible for us so we want to see evidence of deeper broader thought and engagement and we'd like some money on top for our foundation so that even when you're sleeping at night we can be out 
doing, doing good, good stuff. And and sometimes even a tiny amount of money can bring about a change in, in one person's life or several people's life that well, you just I was, couldn't even imagine. When I was at the first awards that I came to, what's it called? Curly's? Uh, Curly's, Legacy. Curly's Legacy. It's one of my absolute favourites. Which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, well, so, explain, explain what it is so, and, and um, attitude so, support them So we first, we first saw Gary and Kyle Ratcliffe on BBC's DIY SOS. Uh-huh. Um, Nick Knowles and his incredible yep. team came across this, uh, this, this gay couple who uh, have adopted four children, all of them disabled to, to some extent but at least two of them disabled to an extent that it was believed they would be in care for the rest of their their lives mm-hmm. and these incredible incredible uh, men on the isle of sheppey had, had, had adopted these kids and so nick Knowles and the team went in to adapt their house because they were living in two bedrooms between the six of them right um and they decided that actually it would just be far easier to knock the whole thing down and build them an entirely new house in a week or 10 days or whatever and it's one of the most extraordinary episodes of the program ever and you'd have to have a heart stone not, yeah. not to be moved by it and so oh there gave, wasn't a dry eye in oh, the house no, honestly so we, we gave them an attitude pride award um but in the course of uh, having a conversation with them if, if what they did wasn't incredible enough they they'd set up what was initially a petting zoo in their back garden which had grown into something far larger on a piece of land of its own called curly's farm because uh, obviously um animals don't judge anyone so whether it's a disabled kid or or an ordinarily able kid it doesn't doesn't, doesn't matter mm-hmm. um uh it doesn't matter who's robbing or paying attention they're, they're, they're down for it and so they'd started to create this thing for curly and his friends and then for schools and and and, and, and all sorts and that became curly's farm and if that wasn't enough they then wanted to create curly's legacy which was a caravan uh on a holiday park uh, on the isle of sheppey that they were trying to raise funds for and they wanted twenty thousand pounds and the idea was that they would give 40 week-long holidays a year to families with heavily disabled children or families where there's life-limiting conditions so that they could just go away and make memories. Yeah. And I think the local uh, Tesco would stop the cupboards of the caravan oh, nice. and um, and Gary and Carl, bless them, would go in and, and, and work and turn and clean it between... <laughs> between holidays and they were halfway there they they'd raised 10 grand of the 20 grand they need and obviously as they're telling their story in the room i just saw the opportunity open up and thought if we can't get 10 grand out of this room then i'm not the man i think i am <laughs> um, and so we 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 we'd done a prize draw uh, beat people up a bit and um and paid for the other half of yep. the, the the caravan for them and about a year later we went back with rob rinder with judge rinder who's a patron mm-hmm. of their their charity to have a look at the caravan and, and and what they'd done and we had this extraordinarily emotional afternoon when actually we were just going on to do a little bit on camera and and all ended up crying at various points privately and not so privately because what I didn't realise at the time we'd done because I said to them you'd have got here anyway though wouldn't you and they said we would have done it might have taken us two years but what you've got to remember is we're doing this for people with life-limiting conditions so if you hadn't have done what you did when you did there are a number of people who in the two years subsequently wouldn't have had that opportunity that that experience has gone now at which point obviously we're all we're all trying not to make eye contact and being terribly macho about it all um and so it's just been the most fulfilling 
incredible thing to do. And we've been back and we've given them money for the farm and various other little projects they've done. But in the overall scheme of things, relatively small sums. I mean, obviously, ten thousand pounds is the moon and the stars to yeah. to, to to people uh, un, under very different circumstances to, to ours. But through our foundation, so summer of twenty eighteen, uh, since then through our foundation, we've we've raised and distributed now. I think a bit over three hundred k, and it's been you know five thousand pounds to the food chain yes um that brilliant um uh, charity in london that um uh, that looks after people who are, who've got long-term issues around hiv and 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 uh, and teaches them how to cook because diet yep. makes a significant yep. difference so it teaches them how to to cook and then acts as a as somewhere they can go and eat once or twice a week um but you know f- 5k there or in, in in one case i think this year we spent a hundred and 70 quid paying the entry fees to Leicester Pride for the local branch of the Samaritans who didn't feel that the money they'd taken they should be spending entering Pride hmm. um, and so we said alright we'll do it and so for the first time there they were in Leicester Pride out with their flags doing their thing handing out their letting people know they're welcome letting people know they're, they're, they're there and that, if that's not worth 170 quid I don't, I don't know what is so, yeah. so it, it really is all sorts of different things. It's not just a magazine. And just a way of giving back. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely thing. And um, we did a, a lot of work in the early days with um, with the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Mm-hmm. So I got to spend a fair bit of time at, at various events um, with Elton and David, which was really interesting to be able to talk to them not not about being you know one of the world's greatest living musicians yeah. or or whatever, but about most life famous and gay couples, home and the kids. Yeah, and the funniest thing that Elton said to me was, "I've raised a hundred million dollars." for a charity that doesn't actually do anything. And what he meant by that was um, the Young John AIDS Foundation has never built a hospital, never uh, sought to impose itself upon anyone. But what it does do is it finds the people on the ground who are doing great work and empowers them. And he said, so actually all I've done is raise money and given it away. Mm. But uh, in doing so, effected enormous change politically, internationally. It's just an incredible thing. And I thought if... That, that's the model for me. Yeah. If I can find people that are doing incredible work and then put wind beneath their wings, yeah. what what a great way to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, um, and people on the ground know, don't they? People of course, know of course. what nobody they knows, need. Nobody you know, knows better than the people who have their nose against the glass who are living in a particular area. Um, and and it, it just enables you just to, to cover so much ground so quickly um, and, and get right where it yeah where it, it, needs it, it needs to be and it's uh it's one of the loveliest things we do it's an absolute privilege and and even though some days i'm just busy 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 it'll be yeah now hang on this is two hours on the foundation we need to just go through the latest applications yeah. we need to see where we are or we might need a bit of money so we need to just go and and rattle some bars <laughs> yeah. and 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 do something but so the the attitude awards a couple of weeks ago we raised just under 20 grand um in, in a night through a prize draw and a donation so fantastic so that'll last us a while absolutely well we're coming towards the end of our hour together thank you so much for talking to me darren i really i really oh, mean it when i joy. say i think you do so much for our community and i'm so pleased that you're here and it's oh, yeah and i'm so pleased that you um <laughs> that you're willing to sort of share the the journey that you've been on and share everything about attitude and I hope the people that are listening that maybe didn't 
hadn't listened, read Attitude for a while or maybe didn't know that it was for them as well. Yeah, I didn't understand you know? perhaps that it's evolved and changed yeah, like everything, absolutely. everything else has. Um, the final question I ask everyone is, is sort of a message to your younger self, but you might not want to think of it as your younger self. You might want to think of it as someone that's listening, that's in a position maybe like you were in, maybe not quite 95, maybe we're in about <laughs> 1990. And um, I mean, I'm not sure that that Darren then what 25 could imagine that one day you'd be this sort of oh, no. king of a gay empire <laughs> <laughs> um you know hosting parties with the spice girl um and billy porter and Do you all, know i, I was lucky enough to people. be awarded an obe in the yes. queen's birthday honors list in in 2018 and you you get a very special letter through the post and you're not supposed to tell a living soul that's the mm-hmm. that's the deal but um but you've got to tell your mum haven't you and um and i uh, and and so i rang my mum and i said are you sitting down i've got something amazing to tell you and she went oh go on god what's happened and i went no no it's good it's good it's good i said i'm getting an obe and there was a really long pause and my mum said to me what the fuck for (laughs) um and so um so that was a good leveler obviously that's the nature of of the family and she then went oh my god i'm sorry i'm sorry that's amazing that's absolutely that's absolutely amazing so i i desperately wanted to listen to this this podcast obviously and um and so then maybe she'll understand um but i i just wish as a younger man i'd have known that it would be all right um because uh, it's a long time Time goes by in a flash. And as I say, I'm 57 now. And that 15, 16 years that I didn't have as authentic me that I could have had in a different era, a different time. I have no regrets because I've made up for it since. I put my name down for everything. Um, and and so I don't have any regrets in that in that regard. But I, I would just say to anyone of that age who 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 is becoming certain of their own mind to, to act on it and free yourself. Because I read something, um, Barry Manilow came out as gay only a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. having lived a secret life for decades. Yeah. His his manager, uh, from whom he's inseparable, was actually his husband. All of that, all of that time. And I'm a big Barry Manilow fan, weirdly. Got a lot of the albums back, back in the day. Love his music. And Elton John, I think it's the piano stuff. And I just felt really sorry for him and there's no reason to feel sorry for him i'm sure he has a very happy life and he's fulfilled and loved and 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 all of those things but imagine getting to that age and not having been able to be your authentic Mm. your authentic self and so you know i I, i'd I'd quite like that 10 or 15 years that uh that i didn't have back but i just think every day that you're not yourself is a day is a day wasted and that's that that's what i'd say to to younger me because most of the fear isn't real some of it is yeah um and and my coming out experience is not everybody's coming out experience you know um we've heard terrible stories of people whose parents have kicked them out or they've been thoroughly rejected and and that's hideous yeah but i still think i'd rather be rejected and free than than hiding away yeah and i think it's always worth noting that regardless of what the immediate reaction to the people immediately around you is as soon as you do come out and you you know step into a a gay space for want of a better word there's a whole group of people that are oh, your friends without it's an, you it's even an knowing it's an enormous family every year at the attitude awards 
people will say to me, there's an incredible atmosphere in this room. Yeah. Um, there's a sensation I get here that I don't get mm -hmm. anywhere else. And it's just of absolute unity and, and togetherness. And, and that extends to allies as well yes. as... Uh, sure. LGBTQ people. Obviously, oh, we get yeah. a lot of a lot of people at the uh, the awards who are sponsors or guests of sponsors, and and it fundamentally changes their lives and their attitudes too. Hearts um, and minds. So yeah. If you change hearts and yeah. minds, the world will get better, right? Yeah, always. I've loved this. Thank you, Darren. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. That was the brilliant. Darren Styles. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I really did. Please keep across everything that Attitude are doing. They're doing brilliant work and have a look at the Attitude Foundation. If you're someone with loads of money in your pocket and you want to find a good thing to, uh, to donate to. But that's all from me. I'll be back next week with another brilliant episode. Thank you so much for listening and uh, get in touch. The email is hello at Bye. Mm -hmm.